0: How's it going folks how's it going i'm brother matthew and this is christian coffee time where we sit down together to study the word of god and here we are back at it again working our way through the book of first timothy and we are up to chapter six and so we're almost done on the last chapter of the book and then we're going to be moving into second timothy So I hope that uh, you've been enjoying this study. I hope you've been uh, gleaning much from it and taking a lot of notes. I hope you're filling up your notebooks. And you're taking everything that you're being shown, everything that you're hearing, and studying it yourself. Is what we're supposed to do. Not just sit and be like a sponge and just take everything that you're hearing and just not searching it out. You need to do the due diligence to be like the Bereans where they take everything that they heard, even though it was from the mouth of the Apostle Paul, they took everything they heard, and they themselves searched the Scriptures daily to see if these things are so. They made sure of these things. They studied it themselves. That's what we're supposed to be, students of the Word of God. So please make sure you're doing that. So good morning, good morning. How's it going? How's it going, everybody? So glad to see you in here so like I said please grab your Bibles notepads and pens and turn with me to first Timothy chapter six as we walk down through here going line by line word by word using the three points of the Christian faith the three points of Bible study which are interpretation application and demonstration interpretation being the what the what of the narrative what is it specifically saying so we can understand the basic context of the narrative and so we know exactly what's going on here and then we back up go again through it slowly taking a look at the how how is it specifically being said the specific words and the pictures and the images, things that come, jump out at us. And we take a look at, at all the details of this. The how being also, how is it being said Doing the word studies, going to the Hebrew and the Greek, all of that. And then also, where else in the word of God does it talk about this that I'm reading here? So there's so much involved here. So we take a look at the interpretation as there's only one interpretation of the word of God. What it says is what it means now there's only one interpretation there are multiple applications it can be applied mentally physically spiritually circumstantially it can be applied in multiple ways but again application does not interpret the interpretation so all because it can be applied to something that does not in and of itself designate the exact meaning of it so we gotta understand what it's saying the interpretation, the what, and then we take a look at the applications and we apply it to all the different ways. And finally is the why. Why is this so important to do this? This is a demonstration learning how to go live it, speak it, think it, do it. And we then go into the final point, which is the clear interprets the unclear. Now this is one that is extremely important as well. So please make sure you understand this one. Now, I always use uh, this example because it's the most apropos, which uh, is the common misunderstanding of James chapter 2. Faith that works is dead. People love to quote that out of context and not represent that one properly. Faith that works is dead. Not understanding what it's actually meaning. Because James chapter 2 is not salvationary. It is not salvationary talking about salvation. Rather, what it's talking about is is he's, uh, James is addressing Christians, people who are already saved, and he's talking about charity and Christian behavior for the purpose of promotion of the faith, not in any way shape or form maintenance of salvation or earning to gain or whatever or or that works our requirement to to maintain to gain earn to gain self-atoning that kind of thing that's a bunch of nonsense salvation is by grace through faith by belief alone in the lord god jesus christ alone amen as you see all the writings by paul for example that salvation is by grace through faith jesus even says just believe and you're saved and all down through All down through yes works are important but not for salvation in any way shape or form salvation purely is only by grace alone by faith alone by belief alone in the lord god jesus christ alone that's what we see in scripture so what the bible says very clearly about salvation take all the salvationary texts and you see what it says very clearly you then overlay over other passages like james 2 for example the clear interprets the unclear because people try to use james to uh, to disprove salvation by grace through faith alone and by saying well faith that works is dead but when you take the clear it helps you to understand what these other ones are not saying clearly then it's not saying that works are in any way shape or form a requirement or a necessity for your salvation so the clear interprets the unclear so there you go there's the introduction all right so please grab your Bibles notepads and pens turn to first Timothy chapter six grab a tea grab your coffee come join us at the table and if you have any comments questions issues insights regarding the study at hand please by all means go ahead ask away be glad to hear from you if it's not related to the topic at hand if you could just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast now I was going to wait to the end of the video but I can't make it to the end of the video I'm, I'm a little excited about what I have planned for tomorrow so I hope that you'll be able to join us tomorrow for our regular Saturday Q&A to have a little bit of a special I have a video that we're going to be watching a documentary is it's been many a year now since I, I the last time I've seen this it's been a long time now this video it, when, when it first came out was touted as one of the most dangerous videos for a Christian to watch because it'll make you lose your faith and all that kind of thing so uh, I I don't believe that I I, me- I remember the last time I tried to watch it I just wound up feeling bad for the guy that in in the thing so I'm not I'm trying to avoid saying what it is uh, you'll have to come tomorrow but it is it's uh uh, powerful video for atheists for their arguments and uh, we're going to be reviewing it reviewing their documentary tomorrow and they're going to be doing a reaction and a comment and a uh, narration of, of it uh, all down through it Re- refuting their arguments and these things as we go through the video so i hope that you'll tune in for it i'm looking forward to it really excited about it um it's one of my favorite topics to discuss and that is christianity born again biblical christianity of the lord god jesus christ versus atheism so we're going to be reviewing an atheist documentary tomorrow so i hope you'll tune in for that okay lord willing that is lord willing that's what we have planned tomorrow but for right now come join us at the table grab your Tea, grab your coffee grab your snacks come join us at the table as we go through first Timothy chapter 6 and time to study the word of God okay first <clears throat> Timothy chapter 6. okay so if we take a look at how chapter 6 starts we see kind of a continuation of chapter five okay again remembering that the chapter verse divisions were added as tools instruments to help the reader be able to search research uh study the word of God better and the whole thing was a solid uh letter so the so the context of chapter five technically flows into chapter six as we see because Paul is addressing individuals we see husbands wives pastors we see widows widows indeed all down through and now we see at the beginning of chapter 6 he's talking about servants and masters so there is kind of a continuation here a flow of the narrative so if you're reading chapter 5 read into the first couple verses of chapter 6 as he's addressing individuals here all right, so chapter 6, verse 1, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Now, again, he uses seeming uh, you know, sharp language in this, as we see, as those that refuse to, or not refuse, but fail to provide for their own home, as he says that that, that is as one that has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel so we see that the character of christ likeness is very powerful is very important is is a high necessity in everything that you do putting the lord first the memory of the lord the thoughts of christ likeness in everything that you do whatsoever thy hand findeth to do do with all thy might and whatsoever you do, even in eating and drinking, all to the glory of God. So everything that we do, it says to give yourself wholly to them. In all, all of work and conversation and thought and deed. To put the Lord first fully in everything. So this goes even into, as we see, servantry. as in service. Again, we can apply this to our era, our day and time as an employee employees we could say, as many employees as are under the yoke count their own we could say employers those that are over you Uh, so you're working for them so even in in your job the way you do your job the way you work that you're not working for the employer the boss you're working for the lord so you, you see it's a shift it's a focus of mindset it's the way that you have yourself see these kinds of things that the way uh, as a husband to put the lord first and to view uh, uh, the the uh, position of the husband the leader of the household the way that god would the way that the lord would see this the way the lord would want you to behave in this way not how i feel i think it's not about my desires my goals my plans my lusts we put the lord first in everything and even in the job now, there's one thing that is basically a universal constant, and that is, is that every single person loves to complain about their job and their boss. It's pretty much a universal constant that everybody loves complaining about their job and about their coworkers and about their boss. Everyone loves to do that. But as we see that that uh, paul is calling us to guard our conversation and the word of god says let your speech be salted with grace that you may know how you ought to answer every man And but our minds to be held captive by the word of god and prayer casting down every high thought and taking into captive everything and that uh, we're to be mindful of the lord mindful of christ mindful of the word mindful of our testimony and as well as we see to avoid contention, stripes of words, and render not evil for evil, speak evil of no man. That all of these kinds of things that are that seem to be a natural discourse is to be avoided, fought against, resisted. Now look at the language he uses: that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. Well, how could could that happen? We have to take a look at it this way. How could that happen? Well, as we see, for example, where David slipped up and he sinned against God in his adulterous affair with Bathsheba, the prophet Nathan came and there was an interesting phrase that Nathan utters is that is, you have caused the enemies of the lord to blaspheme you have caused the enemies of the lord to blaspheme how how is he doing that by what he did by what he did is that there is no there is no godliness there is no righteousness in anything that he did but rather is sin and worldliness And that the world looked at at David and says, oh, this is what a believer in God is supposed to be? They're no different than everyone else. And they wind up cursing and ridiculing and mocking the faith. So we can see then, by application here, that as an employee, as a servant in the job, that my actions, my behavior, my manner in which I go about my job can directly reflect upon the Lord, upon the faith. That their eyes are on me they're watching me they're listening to me they're listening to to how i'm talking how i'm and watching how i'm working and the example that i'm leading that if i leave a corrupted testimony by joining in the the filthy communication cursing whatever else being slack on the job slacking off and all the rest of it not doing my job right it can lead a leave a a bad taste in their mouth towards christianity because they see you as an example of it and they're watching you as an example of it and you reflect the lord you directly reflect the lord we are ambassadors of the kingdom of god so we need to remember this first and foremost in everything that we're doing so uh, exactly as it purely says here our walk and testimony is for others too exactly so we see we need to be mindful of the Lord even at our job. At your at your post, at your job, whatever it is you're doing, even if it's something menial and mundane, it doesn't matter. Is you do it as unto the Lord. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with all thy might. In what context? For the Lord. To the glory of God, to the honor of the Lord, and to the pleasing of Christ, in, in, in leaving a Godly example and testimony of Christianity. See, this is how it's supposed to be. So, all down through, as you see, from, from the husbands to the wives to the children to the home, the marriage relationships and church function and, and the model of a, a church order and all these things, from pastors to deacons to, to the elder men to the elder women, all down through everybody, even into the home and into the job into the job from employee to employer verse 2 and they that have believing masters employers that are born-again christians and they that have believing masters let them not despise them because they are brethren but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers in the benefit these things teach and exhort and be all because you're the boss all because you're the master of the job doesn't mean you get to lord over the others is to remember that those that that are under you in the job are your brothers and sisters in christ that in the eyes of god you're equal God is no respecter of persons, neither should we be. Everybody is equal in the eyes of God. This is how we should see. This is how we should respond. So the boss, the employer, to treat everyone properly, equally, as unto the Lord. To glorify the Lord. Now how should a boss, a master, the employer, behave in all Christ-likeness on the job? That's what he's getting at here. And not to despise them, to lord over them, to treat them less. All because they are under you doesn't mean you get to rule them with an iron fist kind of thing. It's to be graceful, merciful, uh, to treat them in all Christ-likeness. This is from the mouth of God. Uh, The the Spirit of Almighty God speaking through Paul, telling him to write this down. This is uh, God speaking here of how to treat others, how to act, and all these things. So, wrapping up then this context, as we see all down through uh, about uh, the different positions uh, from home uh, home life, church life, work life, and, and every aspect and angle here. Again, the theme, as we see, is Christ likeness to treat others in holiness, in respect, and honor, and uh, in equality as before God. before god not the world's idea of equality the world's idea of fairness and all this but god's god's standard god's model god's rule god's law transcends all others we ought to obey god rather than men and to be god rather than men so A lot of people don't like these ideas because some people have their own views, their own opinions, their own feelings, how something should go about. But we've got to take every thought captive, take every thought captive and hold it against the doctrine of the Lord, the teachings of the Lord. Doctrine just means teaching, the teachings of God, what the Lord has said, how I feel about a matter is absolutely irrelevant. We need to pair all things with what the Lord has said and there is an answer there's an example there's a principle all down through the word of God for every single possible situation that I could possibly run across as you see as he says in, in verse one that the name of God and his doctrine his teaching be not blasphemed uh, we live in it by example to bring honor and respect to the word of God because we we say and make it known to the public that we're Christian in one way or another that we're Christians that we serve the lord jesus christ well if we're saying that how are we leaving an example of that so there we go so now that we move on to the next uh context here in verse three before we do is there anything we missed here no oh, just good mornings good mornings um yes and exactly uh, matthew 5 uh, uh take the um the message about the blessed overlay that uh on timothy as well a great parallel there too okay so as we see all down through here he says uh, have these things in remembrance meditate on these things take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine Continue in them give thyself wholly to them um again and again and again all down through again and again he says this uh, to protect the doctrine hold to the doctrine use this as an example meditate on these things give yourself wholly to it this is the law of God this is the character of Christ's likeness this is righteousness as unto the Lord now with that said we go down to verse 3 chapter 6 verse 3 if any man teach otherwise teaches contrary to this contradicts this has something that that is opposite to what I have told you in the name of the Lord Paul says if any man says otherwise now as we go all the way back to chapter one other than what do so we say other than what Than just what chapter six says no the whole book thus far all the way back to chapter one verse one take everything there from the person of christ the gospel of salvation uh, the function of the church the model of the church all down through home life work life private life marriage relationships husbands wives widows everybody everything that that he's covered thus far all the way down here everything that he said if any man teach otherwise and not just timothy not just first timothy but also everything that has been written that has been given by god thus far everything because it all backs up it all joins so we see everything from the teachings of christ and he was here to uh, before christ as we see all down through the prophets all the way down back to genesis contrary to the word of god now to add to this i want to go over to second timothy just for a moment second timothy chapter 3 verse 16. all scripture is given meaning theonoustos meaning god breathed all scripture is god god breathed given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. So, the Word of God perfects us, perfects our understanding, our mind, and is when it's added in all faith to everything that we do. It perfects that which we are doing before the Lord. So we take this. Now we go over to Second Peter chapter one. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 20. Knowing this first, so first and foremost, before anything else, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they're moved by the Holy Ghost. And uh, we also parallel this with the rest of Scripture talks about uh, God giving His Word, preserving His Word, and he preserves his word unto all generations. He has magnified his word above his very name, though the grass was the fade, his word will stand forever, and on and on. So the word of God, preserved by God, held by God, given by God, is meant for every form of circumstance, issue, occasion, everything. Right? For uh, work life, home life, private life, in thought, word, deed, everything that's a uh, second Peter chapter 1 verses 20 to 21. so as you see then if we go back to first Timothy chapter 6 verse 3 if any man teach otherwise where do we also see this language that, of that phrase right there where do we also see parallels of that language Well, what comes to mind for example is Galatians chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 Galatians 1 8 and 9 but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel so preach is something that is contrary to this gospel that we have been given but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you let him be accursed That's accursed of God, anathema, maranatha, an official consigning to damnation. That's what that means. But though we are an angel from heaven, should preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As you said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that, that, blah, unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So it's repeated twice. When god says something once that's important when he repeats himself you better pay attention i mean stop what you're doing and pay attention so we see similar language here contrary to the doctrine contrary to the gospel as as it has been given so okay this leads one to think then well so i know what contrary contradictory doctrines are i better familiarize myself with what the book does say then because how can you know what is contrary if you're not studying the word of god yourself you got to know what this says you got to know what the scriptures say to know how to guard against false doctrine against false teachings how can you know what's a false gospel if you're not studying all the details of the true gospel the person of christ the deity of christ the cross the blood the death the burial the resurrection the claims the works the teachings of jesus christ you got to familiarize yourself with the whole thing we're all supposed to be students doing the due diligence of studying the word of god uh, pairing line upon line precept upon precept doing uh, doing the work Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, we see a Bible club here says, this also reminds me of Isaiah 8.20, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. Right, and that brings up in mind of First Corinthians uh chapter keep going past it first corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 but the natural man meaning the unsaved man but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned meaning you have to have the spirit of god to understand the word of god those that have not the Spirit of God will be trying to interpret the Word of God through their own reasoning, own logic, their their own personal ideas and opinions, and thus creating the false doctrines, false gospels, all these other things. Like Jehovah's Witnesses saying Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Muslims saying Jesus never was never crucified and was just a lesser prophet, less than Muhammad. Catholics saying that, that it's actually Mary that saves you and Jesus needs his mommy because he's incompetent, or some other thing like that but when we believe on the lord god jesus christ by grace through faith by belief alone the spirit of god indwells us seals us holds us and then teaches us all things causes us to be in remembrance of everything which he has told us and he unlocks our mind to the word of god and gives us the, the light the understanding the wisdom the knowledge of the word of god and then by the power of the spirit of god we study the word of god and the spirit of god uh, reveals it to us It helps us to understand it so that's what that means so amen that's, that's a great point so as we see teaching otherwise so again to be able to understand to be able to understand then the other doctrines the the otherwise we got to understand what the lord is saying himself but this this falls right into the the problem of much of modern Christianity you see a lot of people say they're spiritual say they love the Lord they say they're Christian they say they love the word of God they go to church sing the hymns and they carry the Bibles but they don't do the work they just sit there and they just hear the pastor saying and they just regurgitate what they've been told and they don't actually pay attention they don't actually know this is how people who profess that they love jesus get fooled by people like todd white bill johnson kenneth copeland or the pope and they regurgitate all these other false doctrines like jesus became sin incarnate a, de- a sinful demon monster on the cross and stopped being the son of god and went and burned in hell for our atonement like joyce myers uh, joel osteen kenneth copeland say or or things like we you have to suffer in the fires of purgatory until you're holy enough to enter the bliss of heaven like orthodox and catholicism says people get deceived by all these things because but because they don't actually do the work they don't actually study it's so important we got to know what it is that we say that we believe we got to do the work so when it says if any man teach otherwise you have to say other than what And then you have to do the work and figure out what the what is everything that the lord has said is not just read it but study it the doctrine of atonement justification sanctification consecration according to the word of god not according to catechisms commentaries creeds and councils stop going to other men and other sources to to learn the doctrines you go to god to learn the doctrines not men these aren't my doctrines I'm just reading the bible go to the source knowing this first go first and foremost go to the word of god take everything that's being said and like the bereans you take everything that's being said and you search the scriptures daily to see if these things are so a daily work a daily study this is acts chapter 2 verse 42. acts chapter 2 verse 42 in the early church how did how did they how did they work how did they operate acts chapter 2 verse 42 and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine teachings okay just hold up a second just hold up what is an apostle who's an apostle according to the word of God an apostle is one who's been appointed to the apostleship by Christ himself personally who has seen the risen lord with their own eyes and been taught by christ face to face so unless you're about two thousand years old or christ came again and we didn't know you're not an apostle so they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine which are the teachings of jesus christ and they continued steadfastly they held steadfast now what does this mean what's the picture here it's like the example that i've used before where like the soldier on the battlefield they're standing shoulder to shoulder with the other other soldiers they have the shield up front they have the sword or the spear and then you take a look at their feet it they it's a wider stance one foot in front of the other and what they do is they stomp the ground with their heels and they create divots in the ground to root themselves so that some, they have something to push back with so they can't be taken off balance steadfast rooted grounded in that's what that means unmovable and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers so the the foundation of all belief and understanding and knowledge of the christian faith is based and rooted in the doctrine of the apostles which is the doctrine of jesus christ because everything everything that the apostles are saying is what jesus said and you can take all of the the letters of the apostles all the apostolic writings here in the new testament and you take these and go back to the gospel see everything jesus says which correlates, backs up even everything that is said in the Old Testament. The whole Word of God flows together, knits together, as in perfect unison. There isn't one single contradiction. There's nothing missing, nothing lost. Okay, so with that, go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. Purely says, so you mean Catherine Crick isn't an apostle? Not an apostle, an imposter. She's not an apostle, she's an imposter. She's a goofy wolf in sheep's clothing. All right. So as we see then, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, if any men teach otherwise, now he's going to give some examples, some examples. If any men teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of what? Of our lord jesus christ everything that i've already said th- that i was just saying that it's a repetition there's no new thing there's no new teachings there's no new revelations there's no new new uh, revelations from god god gave me this word and knowledge there's no new teaching it's a continuation of that which has already been said you see that it's a continuation of, uh, of all that has already been said because you take a look at everything that has been said. There's a perfect, flawless example in uh, doctrine, direct doctrine, teaching, picture, image, example, all through the Word of God for every single possible situation that you could ever run into in the Word of God. If any men teach otherwise, contrary, contradictory, and consent not to to wholesome words even the words of our lord jesus christ and the doctrine which is according to godliness hold up the doctrine which is according to godliness godliness according to whose standard godliness as you see in the orthodox church the mormons or what about the amish the mennonite or what about that denomination that denomination that denomination no okay i'm rabbit trailing but uh, for example as you see what is religion it's not godliness according to religion that's a massive massive misunderstanding godliness is not religion religion is the physical carryings out the physical acts actions the carryings out of one's belief of faith that's what religion is religion is the physical carryings out of one's belief of faith now i've gone over this again and again and again and again and so many people just some reason just can't seem to grasp what it is that i'm putting down here but that the fruits of our faith is not physical fruits the fruits of our faith is the spiritual fruits please relate back to my message that i've pinned uh, in uh, on our uh, youtube channel here on the mystic fruit bowl please watch that that video the mystic fruit bowl as I, I try the best I possibly can to explain the difference between physical fruits and spiritual fruits, and that we're not to focus on the physical fruits, but the spiritual fruits. Because this the, the spiritual fruits are uh, directly flow from our love of the lord jesus christ because when we love the lord our god with all our heart soul mind and strength naturally instinctually the physical fruits will carry out but we don't pay attention to that we pay attention we keep focusing on as uh, uh, just tunnel focused focused on the lord jesus christ and the spiritual fruits everything else will fall into place because when we get off focus and we start inspecting, become fruit inspectors, and we mystify and and uh, and, and super hyper focus on the physical. Then, uh, then Christianity becomes a Pharisaical religion. It becomes a pharisaical religion it's not about the gold and the silver and the stained glass and the robes and the candles and the incense and the suits and the the and everything else and 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 the charities and the going to church the action of reading your bible of doing the doing the physical things it's not about that it's not about any of that it's about the heart it's about the faith faith is believing trust faith is not works faith is not faithfulness faith is believing trust it's about your faith in Christ the person of Christ it's not about the physical the outward physical it's about the inward faith of the heart all right so the doctrine which is according to godliness this is God's standard of godliness which is of the heart godliness of the heart not the hands of the heart of faith not the suits and the dresses and the all the, the, oh, the tapestry and the tinsel. It's about the heart of faith. Godliness of the heart. Godliness of the inward sort. This is what Jesus is always talking about down through the Gospels. Because when you get off focus of this and you're focused on the physical and the outward. And you become obsessed with the outward. Of your own ideas. Of your own feelings of how you think it should be. Verse 4, he's proud, knowing nothing. You have no idea what you're talking about. Like the the Catholics, the Orthodox, the Jehovah's Witness, the Mormon, the Amish, the Mennonite, all of them. All, all of those of the Pharisaical legalistic cults are proud, knowing nothing. They say they love Jesus, but they deny him by their works. They have a form of godliness, but lacking the power thereof. You see that proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words where cometh have come with envy strife railings evil surmisings perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds destitute of the truth how does verse five and what's the last sentence the last line of verse five i love pointing this one out If only the prosperity gospel cult, the prosperity gospel cult of having your best life now, cult. That that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, rich, and powerful, and have all the money and, and all this stuff, big bank accounts, cult. If only they would read this verse. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw yourself. Those that suppose that gain is godliness. Even all the way down to to those who who feel that, that they have all the physical blessings. That's not godliness. That you know nothing. If you think that Jesus died on the cross, you have a big bank account and a new Mercedes, you're deceived. You have no idea what biblical godliness is then. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt mind. Arguing about unnecessary things fighting and bickering about unnecessary things destitute of the truth they they all their philosophies and arguments they have no idea what the truth is see to even supposing that gain is godliness from all these withdraw yourself walk away from them walk away from them evil communications corrupt good manners a little love and love a whole lump you you will be corrupted by them if you stay with them but what do we see as an example though in verse six what do we see in verse six but godliness with contentment is great gain because it keep flowing off of those that suppose that gain is godliness of acquiring and having all of this stuff people then fire back well if that wasn't the case then why did God give Abraham so much then why did God bless Solomon with all the riches then why did God bless David with all the riches Okay, all because there are a couple individuals down through the Word of God that may have been well off. That's not the norm, and that's not supposed to be the focus. You are you are taking exceptions and making it the rule. Yes, there will be, and there has been, Christians who are very wealthy, very well off. That doesn't mean that that's, that's how it's supposed to be, and that's supposed to be the norm. But rather, what we see is that whether you have or don't have, that doesn't matter to you. Because you guys, see the point, the purpose is to see is store not up for yourselves treasure on earth, and moth and rust doth corrupt, and thieves break through and steal. But rather, store for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust doth not corrupt, and thieves do not break through and steal. And we take a look, for example, at the verse says godliness with contentment. To be content. What? What? What's contentment? in this well let's take a look in hebrews now what do what do I have here hey hebrews, uh, can't read my own notes in my bible hebrews thirteen five hebrews thirteen five Look at this, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. To be content with such things as you have. Like, for example, John the Baptist was a perfect example of this he had literally nothing but the camel skin on his back he had nothing but the locusts and wild honey he didn't complain what was left to us is an example of contentment there to even as you see is David did not roll and bo- in and boast about his luxuries all these things but rather we see him focusing again and again on, on his relationship with the Lord is David a man after God's own heart as he's called is he had it but that wasn't his focus that wasn't his drive but rather what we do see in the word of God is Abraham yes he did have a lot but it wasn't his focus Who in the Bible, though, switches it around and tries to get you to have all the power and the luxuries as your focus? Interestingly, this is Matthew chapter four. The temptation in the wilderness. That. Everything that the prosperity gospel movement preaches is exactly the same message that lucifer preached in the temptation in the wilderness bow to me and i'll give you all the riches that your drive is the riches the drive is the riches that that your focus is the riches is luciferian your focus that being the power and the notoriety and the fame and the fortune is luciferian whether you have it or you don't have it whatever the point is is i love the lord but when you you take your view off of god and put it on the almighty dollar bill you're deceived by the devil that the prosperity gospel preachers are preachers of satan they are preaching the exact same message that lucifer preached in the temptation the wilderness everything the devil promised jesus is what kenneth copeland promises his congregants consider that one But as we see contentment is great gain because in this in this state you count your blessings you count your blessings that which the lord has given that which the lord has done because when you're not content you're never satisfied you're not thankful thankfulness thankfulness for what you have thankfulness And we see with this comes peace of mind peace of heart you you see that quietness of spirit and this is godliness as jesus left us an example as well as he had nothing yet the son of man hath nowhere to lay his head and in this he even showed his disciples and they learned from him that this is the lesson from god almighty is learning to be content and thankful as unto the Lord that he'll provide all things. This is Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six about seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What things, whatsoever things you have need of, you he will provide. Back up and you see how you how so clothe the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow's cast in the oven, so will he clothe you. How much more are ye that so all down through is learning to trust in the Lord, to rely on the Lord for all these things. That he will guide, he'll provide. I will not cause thee to be a beggar. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out of it. Because why, what is the purpose of your drive? When you get really focused on money, really focused on riches, really focused on wealth. Why? As you see, there's another another passage here, Philippians. Let's go uh, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Something that Apostle Paul says here, it's really powerful. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I have learned that whatsoever state i am wherever i find myself whatever is happening to me whatever whatever is going on i've learned that whatever state circumstance issue to be content to learn to give thanks to praise the lord to focus on the lord to put the lord first in this and to not gripe bellyache long or or be covetous jealous selfish or whatever else Just to learn to give up all. This flows right into forsaking all. To forsake your desire for more. To learn to forsake your desire for more. Because what I have is sufficient. What I have is sufficient. And this flows even right into diet. How often we break this one? Just saying. Something we all struggle with. You don't need the second plate. You don't need the second sandwich. Just something to think about in there. Just, just give that a thought. You don't need it. You want it. It's gluttony. That's not being content. One bowl is sufficient. It's just the thought there, when you look at this, you really examine this. What does it mean to be content? What does it mean to forsake all, to follow Him? What does it mean in godly contentment? The mindfulness of Christ in everything. Just, Just give that some thought. Just explore that one. Meditate on that one. But as you see here, in the context of wealth and luxury and all this stuff, verse 7, we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we carry nothing out of it. You can't take anything with you. So why are you storing it up? Now, when you die, unlike what the Egyptians thought, they they fill their tomb with all their riches because they believed that everything that was in their tomb with them where they were buried would be with them in the afterlife. Uh, no, the the Vikings thought the same thing. The Babylonians thought the same thing. So many of the cults think the same same thing because all their belief systems influenced by the devil. The devil who taught to focus on wealth and fame and fortune. That whatever you achieve in life is what you get in the next life. No no god says right here through the mouth of the apostle paul god says you can't take anything with you can't take anything with you not to mention also on uh on another side note riches fade away prosperity is spent beauty fades Strength fails, metal rusts, cloth rots. Well, what is the focus then of the servant of God? Faith. The strength, the power, the provision of God. That the Lord will provide, the Lord guides, the Lord protects, the Lord carries, the Lord is our strength it's all about him not about us it's not wrong to have things but things are not to be your focus it's not wrong to have things but things aren't to be your focus for we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can, we carry nothing out now context here is physical riches wealth fame fortune but what do we take with us The only thing we can take with us is whether or not we've believed on the Lord for our salvation. We have nothing of our own. We have no righteousness of our own. We have no goodness of our own. We have nothing. But all that we do have that is taken with us is that which was given to us. The righteousness of Christ, the faith of Christ, all the things of Christ is the only thing we can take. In the next life you're going to be living an awful lot longer than this one that this physical life is so short on the grand scheme of existence it's not even a blip on the screen of eternity so why are we so focused on this life and the things of this life when this life in the grand scheme is valueless in the sense of acquir- acquiring and power and fame and focus rather we should be focused on and become obsessed with the next life because while we live here we're not in the world but uh, we're not of the world even though we're in the world we're examples of the lord jesus christ and his power i live yet not i but christ lives through me so how would the lord jesus christ god Almighty? desire to live through me how should I desire him to live through me see it's not wrong to have fun it's not wrong to have things not wrong to go on vacation or whatever else it is and if you have the ability to buy a boat or a car that's completely up to you but the point is it's not necessary but whatever you do have do it as unto the lord give it as unto the lord honor the lord through it glorify the lord by it that's the focus that's the point that's what it's supposed to be about the enemy of our souls wants us to get focused on ourselves and our own entertainment and our luxuries and our vanity and our own personal satiation but the lord is asking if if we would be willing to give that give that side of it that aspect of it up and do it as unto him how can i honor the lord by it how can i glorify god by this if i have money how can i honor the lord with it we brought nothing into this world and is certain we carry nothing out let's go over to matthew chapter 6 just for a moment matthew chapter 6. And go down to verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you. Now, back up. You see, context. This is the Lord God Jesus Christ talking. Okay? Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So, go back to First Timothy chapter six. Verse 7, we brought nothing into this world and is certain we carry nothing out. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Because how? It's following the very teachings, the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this first. As we see, as we just read it in Matthew 6, Jesus said it and Paul is just reiterating, backing up. Is just continuing the teaching the doctrine by taking what jesus said and putting another angle on it for us to help us to understand this and learning about contentment and not worrying about needing having more as john baptist was not worried about it elijah wasn't worried about it, moses wasn't worried about it the israelites well many of them learned and many of them didn't that uh, uh, the uh, the lesson was there to learn to trust the lord that he'd provide the man of the water as you see all down through he causes the jar of oil to not run out multiplies the bread and the fish what whatsoever you have need of ask trust in him to rely on the lord to learn to be content and thankful being thankful always and uh, verse 8 and having food and raiment let us be therewith content Continuing what Jesus said, learning contentment, godly contentment. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Well, in the context here, you see this that will be. This is the seeking of riches. They want to be. I want to be rich. I want to have all of all of the power and all the all the money. Kenneth copeland but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare snare of who? temptation of who? because god does not tempt us with evil so who, who whose snares whose temptations this would be the devil's fall into the devil's temptations and snares and into many foolish and hurtful lusts because the lust of the flesh the pride of life the lust of the eyes foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. And you drown yourself in your, in your own goals and your own achievements. And it ruins your life. It ruins your faith. It kills your walk. It ruins relationships. You become addicted to what? Verse 10, the love of money. Now notice what it says here in verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. It does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of the pursuit of. You you live for the bank account. Your whole goal is see how big of a number you can get. See how big of a b- money bag you can get. You live for For the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And as you see here, now in verse 9, talking about the regular man, the, the natural man. But as you see here in verse 10, erred from the faith, that this also does happen to believers. That a, that a believer, a Christian, can be deceived, tempted stray and fall into the snare of the enemy Erred from the faith then you angle away you go away from the teachings of christ the lord taught contentment and some just aren't some just are not content they're not satisfied they don't have enough they have to have the bigger house the better car the bigger bank account the more suits more this more they have to have things and they're just not content now i'm not saying that it's wrong if you want to get a different car but the drive that obsession that it becomes a focus it's all you think about it's what you live for it's what you're known for having erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows verse 11 but thou o man of god flee these things Look at this he said said to be a man of god to be godly content christ-like is you flee all of that all the youthful lusts that's the lusts of youthfulness you want to make a big name for yourself in this world in in the eyes of men instead of building a name for yourself in the service of god What 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 would be more important would you think but thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. What does this sound like? That sounds like Galatians 5, 22-23, the fruits of the Spirit. To follow after the fruits of the Spirit, not the fruits of the flesh. You see, the prosperity gospel cult, they focus on the fruits of the flesh, the fruits of the bank account. But God says to focus on the fruits of the Spirit. There it is again, as I talked about, uh, the difference between the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of the flesh. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, which is which comes from where? Stems from where? The heart. The heart of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. To push forward, to fight for, to focus on the faith. You become obsessed with the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. What does that mean? Just like I said, for example, you become obsessed with the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is your drive, your focus, your obsession, it is everything you live for. You speak about, think about, you live in. in all, on Everything that you do is for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for example. Lay, lay hold on eternal life. That's what that means. whereinto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Paul is talking to Timothy. But the application is also for us to learn from this, to follow his example. Follow the example of Timothy. They hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, the commandment. I command you in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things. Quickens, and the word quicken there uh, is this the same word that's used where the word of God is quick and powerful. Now the word quick does not mean Fast. It moves really quickly. That's not what that means. The word quick in this context when you do the study of the meaning of the root word means to give life, give energy, make alive, make lively. So you could say it gives life. I, I give the charge in the sight of God who quickeneth, gives life, energy, who quickeneth, makes alive all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, What was it that Jesus said to Pontius Pilate? My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. For if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. So our kingdom, our life, our focus, our drive our obsession the point and purpose and meaning of life is to glorify honor promote and preach and serve the kingdom of God which is not of this world I give thee charge in the sight of God it quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou will keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our lord jesus christ to not mar this message to not muddy the waters to not to not spackle the white garments with the filth of this world and the obsessions of this world but rather come up among them be separate saith the lord and touch not the unclean thing to be separate saith the lord to be holy as i am holy be perfect as he is perfect to follow after the things of righteousness and the things that are not of this world. We, when we look at people, we don't see people. We see souls to learn to have the eyes of Christ. The mind of Christ. The spirit of Christ. In everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. What glorifies the Lord? Contentment, thankfulness, praise, and faith. Joy of the spirit. Joy of the spirit. To keep this commandment. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them. And to the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. For How, how long are we supposed to, uh, to, to fight in this manner? To fight the fight of faith. Until either the Lord comes in the clouds. Or, or our lives over and we go to be with the Lord. Day and night, night and day. That thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable unrebukable other words blameless to be blameless now let's go over to romans 16 just for a moment romans 16 let's go down to verse 17 now I beseech you brethren mark them that means to take note and to to set a reminder of certain people mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them mark and avoid mark and avoid these uh, those that are contrary contradictory that are in opposition to what you have been told by the word of god if they are contrary to this And they won't listen, walk away. It's Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus talks about this, that if they refuse the teaching, uh, the doctrine that you bring to them, whether house or city, brush off the dust of your feet at them and walk away. Mark them which cause divisions that are divisive and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they are such that are otherwise. Serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. But there are many false Christs. Many will come in my name saying I am Christ and will deceive many. There will be many false Christs. Fake Jesuses. False Jesuses. So they are worshipping and serving a Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. There are such contrary, contradictory um, uh, they are offensive to our doctrine. For they are such, serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. They serve their own belly. Like self-righteous works-based salvationists, prosperity gospel cultists, and the like. Their God is their own flesh, their own belly, their own lust, their own desires, their own self-righteousness works-based salvationists, all the rest of that. They serve their own belly. This is Romans 1, 18 to 25. They fashion a God of their own imagination because they don't like the God of the Bible, but they suppress the truth and unrighteousness and they create their own God of their own belly, of their own lusts. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. And they change the doctrine of Christ into the traditions of men and their own personal doctrines that that satiate themselves. By good words and fair speeches, they they learn the orthodox language and they learn all the, the things of the scriptures and how to twist it to fit their own narrative. To fit their own narrative. Good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. The unlearned. So those that that are young in the faith. Or maybe not even of the faith. But they they don't know that much. They deceive them and trick them into this falsity. When you don't study your Bibles. You're simple. That's That's what that means. When you don't study your Bible. And you are able to be taken advantage of. That means you're simple in mind. Simple in learning. Simple in wisdom. And you can be taken advantage of. So by... Their twisted doctrines and false teachings and false Christ, because you're not learned, you're not studying, they, get, they they're able to control your mind, control your thinking, and make you one of them. That's what that means. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. To wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. is rather be ignorant of darkness, of the, those things, and but rather instead of just focusing on everything that they're doing, trying to learn what they're doing, become obsessed with that which is good. The teachings of God, the words of God. What shall we do that might work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe on Him and He hath sent. To do the works of Christ, to study his teaching, to sit at his feet, learn of him, fill your mind with the word of God, and become obsessed with the word of God, the doctrines of Christ. And when and in this state, when you hear something that's contrary, you're able to identify it and you resist it. You don't need to study the false doctrines, study the doctrines of Christ. Let's go back. First Timothy chapter 6 uh verse 14 that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our lord jesus christ which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate the king of kings and lord of lords all right hold up did, did you hear that verse 15 First Timothy 6 15 Which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords. FYI, you know what one of the the, the, uh, blasphemous names of the Catholic pope is? Potentate. So just FYI, um, the papacy, Pope means father, call no man your father, for one is your father, even God. They call him reverend, only God is reverend. They call him him holy, only God is holy. They they call call him the vicar of Christ, image of Christ, that he is Christ on earth. They call him potentate, God's the potentate. So they are giving the actual names of god to this goofy man dressed as mother wanting to be called father just want to throw that out there the only potentate the king of kings and lord of lords who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto whom no man hath seen nor can see to whom be honor and power everlasting amen It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God above all gods, the Father above all fathers. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. He's the focus. He's the drive. He's the obsession. He's to be the mind, the heart, the faith. He's the everything. It's all about Him. Everything that you do, whether it be from the greatest things down to the most minute, it doesn't matter what it is, what situation, you do it as unto the Lord. You give it to the Lord, fear not, worry not, doubt not, care not, fret not, be anxious for nothing. It's to be all about the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ can fix absolutely anything. doesn't matter what it is. The gospel jesus christ fixes everything whom no man has seen nor can see to whom be honor and power everlasting amen charge them means command them verse 17 command them that are rich in this world that if there are individuals that may have great wealth and power and all this command them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded as we know does happen we see it you know exactly what this means there's some people when they get wealth they have money they get kind of snobbish think themselves better than you they get this pride this arrogance obstinance or they they're, they're very flaunting with their wealth and all this and they they draw focus to themselves lord says don't do that that's evil don't do that but rather charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches though you have money you see this is a bit of the problem Is a bit of the problem with modern society. I do an awful lot of thinking on this one, especially in the, in the argument of cessationism versus continuationism. Some of the arguments that people have regarding this, well, if miracles are real, then how can we don't see them? Well, often is because we've replaced God with our technology. We've replaced God with our medical science and science and our luxuries and our vanities. We've replaced God with all of our wealth. Very well off. Where actually, if you do an unbiased search and you actually go and listen to and study about uh, Christianity in third world countries, where they don't really have much, you, you actually do see an awful lot more of miracles and uh, the manifestation of the power of God. I'm just saying. But modern... The, the, the modern pursuit of luxury and technology and fame and money and all this stuff and wealth and prosperity, it, it erases God. Or I should, I dare say more so the, the need of God. I really need him. Where you have a lot of money, you pray less. For example. Because you don't have to worry about anything. Well, I, 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 if I'm if I'm lacking something, I'll just go buy it. I don't have to worry about anything. I become my own god. See, so you see what I'm talking about? Trusting in uncertain riches, which today you could have it all, but let's say the stock market crashes, you lose everything. Your trust was in your wealth, and not God. Now you got a bit of a problem because now it's all gone. Your trust was in your health, and you can get sick. Your trust is in your own strength, and you can lose it. the trust was in your own hands, and now it's, now, it's, now it's gone. It's uncertain. Trust not in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Charge them, verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but... In the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. As God does delight in the joy of his saints. The Father does delight in the joy of his children. And that uh, it's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to have fun. It's not wrong to enjoy life. God gave us life. Enjoy it. With him. Enjoy all things with him the bowl of soup the sandwich glass of water or the the show or whatever it is to do it with him to enjoy things with him to enjoy life to rejoice in life rejoice in things with him to be mindful of him and all things and that you're trusting in him contentment that he is your everything you're content with christ and it doesn't matter if you got the fancy suit or rags for clothing it doesn't matter to you it makes no bit of difference you don't need the big name brands for example you don't need to shop at the fancy stores What's shop at walmart <laughs> like what some people are obsessed with name brands obsessed with having the top of everything they're not content they're not content I'm not saying it's wrong to have name brands. I'm saying is the drive where you have to have you, you you need a new pair of shoes. I can only wear the top name brands. Okay, now you're obsessed. You're obsessed with things, and that's wrong. Learning to be content with whatever the Lord will provide you. What if the Lord picks something out and gives it to you? It may not be what your flesh wants, but what if that's what the Lord provided? To be content with what the Lord provides. That's what this is talking about. Learning to subdue the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works. Ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. That our obsession, our focus, the purpose, our meaning of life is the pursuit of the thankfulness, of the power, of the riches of God. Not the riches of this world or the riches of self. It's all about the Lord and the pleasing of the Lord, the focus of the Lord, the promotion of the Lord. That they do good, that they be rich in good works rich in good works that be your physical testimony physical testimony ready to distribute to be able to help the poor help the needy help those around you willing to communicate desiring to promote christ to those around you laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come now what is our foundation what's the foundation of the church jesus christ Laying up in store for themselves a solid foundation, good foundation. The the foundation of your life then, what the context is here. The the base, the foundation, that which holds you up, is Jesus Christ. You see that? Against the time to come, against the things that can happen. uh, so, So that you're rooted and grounded in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever comes doesn't shake you doesn't break you like even if hypothetically you had riches and all of a sudden it's all gone you're not shaken in faith you trust in the Lord that he's able to provide he's able to help you laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life that others would see and know because this is a witness this is a witness first Peter 3 15 this is a witness to them that they, they see these things and it draws them to you. And they see, how are you not worried and shaken even though you lost everything? Because I have Jesus Christ and He is my everything. And it opens an opportunity to preach Christ to them. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to them that come and ask you the hope within you meekness and fear. That they may lay hold on eternal life o timothy verse 20. O timothy keep that which is committed to thy trust avoiding profane and vain babblings profane and vain babblings foolish talking empty conversation pointless communication that's what that means in oppositions of science falsely so called we'll get to that tomorrow avoiding profane and vain babblings empty talk pointless communication empty valueless conversation for like uh, the world's philosophies it's all that's vain babbling just noise making like the, the the great philosophers all this stuff that's just god is literally calling that empty pointless noise making people like to quote socrates and all these others as the great philosophers good question for you all of the great philosophers and the thinkers down through time can you tell me anything that they have said that god hasn't said first or anything that they've said that's better than this or anything that they've taught that the word of god doesn't already cover better The word of god the scriptures the word of god the scriptures this is our philosophy this is our psychology this is our communication this is our doctrine this is our faith this is our teaching this is our everything this is our everything this covers everything there isn't anything that anyone else could possibly say or give you that god hasn't already covered in one way shape or form another better than how they presented it The Word of God covers every single thing as a doctrine, a picture, a teaching, an image, something on absolutely anything and everything you could possibly experience in life. It's in the Word of God. Because God is infinite, and so is His Word. Where did I leave off? Verse 20. Profane and vain babblings as a Bible club here says drunk on atheism profane babbling exactly exactly yeah that that the the empty nihilistic void of literal nothingness magically made matter out of literally nothing that exploded for no reason into chaos and that chaotic explosion somehow created perfect order. And the third rock from this sun banged around with other rocks. This everything I'm saying is in their textbooks. That these rocks banged around and created friction that caused atmosphere to appear on the third rock from the sun. That started to rain acid rain onto the rocks and melted the rocks into this mystic stone soup. That somehow magically created life. Cells that started splitting... And created male and female by magically having enough oxygen and food and light so that the life didn't die and that the cells started mutating and turned into a fish that turned into a reptile that turned into a mammal that turned into a monkey that turned into a man and not just that but also every other plant and every other form of life in the whole world by pure universal happenstance Yeah, I would call that idiotic, vain babbling. Everything I just said was is in their textbooks. Oh, and that the T. Rex devolved into the farm chicken. All right, let's get going. Prof- profane and vain babbling, an opposition of science, falsely so called. So to avoid these things, that there's literally nothing. That Richard Dawkins, Lawrence Krauss. Sam Harris, Bill Nye, or any of these kinds of individuals, Christopher Hitchens, who's now passed away, anything that these guys could possibly say that that could oppose the word of God. Everything that comes out of their mouth is literal nothing, but pointless oppositions of so-called science of vain babbling. Just profane nonsense. Watch out for that. Beware of that don't listen to that is what god is saying there's nothing they could say of any argument of any form of the so-called reason and logic of theirs that can undo any of this they have nothing they have literal nothing They're destitute of the truth, as the Word of God says. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. They're corrupted because they hate God. They hate God, so they twist reality to fit their own imagination in opposition of fighting against God. It's perverted disputings of men of corrupt minds, as the Word of God says. Beware of them. Don't listen to them. There's nothing they could say that should be able to shake you. We'll be looking into that a bit more tomorrow. Avoiding profane and vain babbling. In opposition of science falsely so called. Now. There's one more point. I just just really want to hammer on that one. Science falsely so called. Now there is. True science. Then there's so called. False science. Now without getting into too detail. On this and too far into this. For example. There's. Macro, what's called macroevolution and microevolution. You see, true science, for example, bear with me, the term is called microevolution, which is speciation. It's not Darwinian, it's not anything like Darwinian. It's speciation. You have all the different kinds of cats, but they remain cats, they never become a non cat. You know, though the line of cats could go for 10,000 years, they'll never become a cow or a bald eagle. They stay cats. Like, for example, Darwin's finches are not an example of Darwinian evolution, but rather speciation. They never became a non-finch. They never became hummingbirds or a 10-pound bass. But we see macro. Evolution, which is Darwinian evolution, which is where the crocodile becomes a duck. <laughs> where one kind becomes a completely separate, different kind. The cow becomes an octopus. That's macroevolution. It becomes something completely else. The drag the dragonfly becomes a beetle. Or it, where it completely changes. So science falsely so called would be like Darwinian evolution. True science would be that which is observable and you can see and they test that which is here and you see speciations of of, of a kind, you know, that which God made, how God made it. And you can take the, the tree leaf and you get the microscope and you see how it all comes together and you see it. This is true science. False science is that which is made up, it's also known as Theory. Theory is not fact. Theory is not proof. Theory is not law. Theory is a professional guess. They don't know. They think. This is how it goes about. It's a complete theory. Theory is not fact proof or law. Theory is made up wild speculations. I.e. Dr. Seuss. All right. Beware of science falsely so-called. Now look at this, because otherwise, what can happen if you become obsessed with, or you start giving ear, you start taking heed, you start listening to these professors of nonsense. What happens? Verse 20, which some, having professed, have erred concerning the faith. Because they've listened to these these wild Dr. Seuss scientists, and it's led them astray, away from the faith. For example many christians who believe on the lord will start listening to these crazy professors and start actually giving heed to start listening to a little leaven leavens the whole lump and it draws them away from the faith this is why we got to beware of them beware of them so for example we as we saw in romans 16 17 18 let's take a look at romans 1 18 to 25. What these wild false scientists have done. Romans 1, 18, 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. People like Dawkins and Krauss and Harris and all of them, they take the truth of God and they suppress it. They push it down and they deny it and they twist it. They hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. They see it, but they hate him. They don't want it. They hate God and everything he stands for. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and the foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise they became fools professing themselves to be wise they become fools fools foolish foolish professors and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man into birds and four footed beasts and creepy things, i.e., creation itself is God. It made itself. Apostle Paul in Romans 1, verse 23. What he's what he's actually describing is the atheist's view of creation made itself creation itself is god made itself or for the beast of creeping things whereof god also gave them up he let them go that's the way they want he let them go gave them up to uncleanness to the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies to themselves who changed the truth of god into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen you see that science false is so called so that wraps up first Timothy that's the end of chapter six and if we back up we all into chapter one we see the overview what Paul is doing is just a, a reiteration of the basics of the faith just to help Timothy to remember these things this is our focus this is what it's about this is how it's supposed to be ignore ignore the naysayers ignore the false professors ignore the false teachers this is what it is stay the course fight the good fight keep the faith and so it just as you see if you want to understand how born again christianity is supposed to operate the model for the home for the church and all things you look at first timothy there you go any thoughts comments questions issues insights anything at all please by all means go ahead ask away I'd be glad to hear from you so that wraps up first timothy chapter 6 uh, which is the end of the book of first timothy i hope this has been a help and a comfort and encouragement to you if you appreciate these studies please give us a like give us a thumbs up make sure you subscribe hit notification bell icon so you know when we put up new videos and check out all our other videos we've got tons and tons of other uh bible studies and goodies and things as well as check out our website christiancoffeetime.ca christiancoffeetime.ca we have links to all our other accounts and platforms as well as we have free downloadable gospel track pdfs and e-tracks make sure you avail yourself to that and a bunch of other goodies there on our site as well make sure you check that out all right so anything and what's on your heart what's on your mind what's on your thoughts so again folks I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I hope you'll tune in. Uh, why don't I just tell you? We are going to be reviewing, Lord willing, we are going to be reviewing Richard Dawkins' The God Delusion. I've I, It's been a long time since I've gone over that, but what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be playing Richard Dawkins' The God Delusion, and I'm going to be commenting on it, reacting to it, walking through, showing you his errors, showing you his fallacies, showing you his wrong thinking, all, all of his issues and problems all down through the whole video. So I hope you'll tune in for that. It'll be fun. Make sure you got a big pot of coffee and uh, got a big notebook. And the the re- one reason why I want to go through that is because I, re- I remember years ago, people warning me, don't, don't listen to it. Don't watch it. It'll kill your faith. It'll ruin your faith really your faith must be weak then your faith must be weak then Uh, but anyways but uh what i want to do is show you how it's it's not a it's not an argument for atheism that you have to have such poor faith and trust in god for the god delusion to shake your faith i'm serious anyways uh, we're going to be going through the Richard Dawkins the God delusion tomorrow and uh it'll be fun but uh, just as uh, uh just as we read about today uh beware these types science falsely so called and we'll be looking at that tomorrow there you go so let others uh, know this is what we're going to be doing and come join in um it's a it's a little bit of a longer video um it's under two hours, I believe, but uh, but pausing and commenting, it'll go a bit longer. So prepare for that and have a big notebook, get, uh, a big pot of coffee, a big pot of tea and all that. Grab your snacks. Come join us at the table tomorrow as we go through that and bring your Bible. And we are going to be tearing Richard Dawkins' god a delusion to pieces. I'm going to be ripping it to pieces, showing how it's just complete nonsense, professing himself to be wise. He's a fool. So pray for his soul. Could you imagine if Richard Dawkins got born again, saved? The kind of effect he would have, that the kind of testimony he would have. Think about that. Pray for Richard Dawkins that he'd be saved. All right. So there we go. So that wraps it up for today. So God bless you. Thanks so much for joining in, and God bless all those who love our Lord God Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love His Holy Word. Hope to see you again, and as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.